0: Thank you so much to our praise band. I think it is appropriate to applaud how the Lord has used our praise band today. Thank you so much. Would you take your Bibles and find 1 Kings chapter 11. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 13, 1 Kings chapter 11. We're continuing our series on uh, king and kingdom, recognizing that we want to focus and point others to the one who is the real king. Of course, our Lord and Savior took a little bit of a break from that series last week as we celebrated Resurrection Sunday, and uh, guess what? We're still celebrating Resurrection every time we come together. In fact, we come first day of the week because uh, Jesus rose on the first day of the week, and it is the reason in which we celebrate, reason we meet for worship every Sunday now and every day. We want to, of course, give Lord praise in celebration for all the things that He has done for the cross and the resurrection in particular, and uh, it was When I was a young pastor, went to one of my first churches and went on Easter Sunday, thought that would be good to start off with a bang. After that Sunday, they looked and they said, Preacher, that's the most we've ever had before. We're sure glad that you're here. And then on the Sunday after Easter, they said, Preacher, that's the least we think we've ever had. Now we're not so sure. No, that didn't really, all that didn't, but you're back, you're here. We're glad to see you today and we're excited about it. And uh, we're now in 1 Kings chapter 11, Going to be reading verses 1 through 13. It says, Now the king of Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemish, the abomination of Moab, and for Molech, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifice to their gods. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you. And will give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David your father I will not do it in your days. But I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Verse 13 reads however I will not tear away all the kingdom. But I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of David my servant. And for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. I'm sure that most of you know that the highest mountain peak in the world is Mount Everest. Mount uh, it is a mountain climber's greatest adventure in order to get to the top of Mount Everest. Since its first summit in 1953, somewhere between 11 and 12,000 people have summited Mount Everest. There have been, might not be a surprise to you, there have been 300 who have died on the mountain of Everest. and, uh, uh, and Most of those might be a surprise to you, I don't know. Most of those have died on the descent coming down the mountain. I suppose because of the great effort it takes and the best energy that is given uh, to getting to the top as well as other factors causes it to be more dangerous coming down the mountain. Uh, today there are about 200 bodies that uh, are still on the mountain either have been lost or the two not safe enough in order to bring those down. So this may not be a joyful thought on this Sunday morning but even more tragic is the decline of Solomon's walk with God and his uh, uh, unfaithfulness as the anointed king of God's people. Solomon and his missteps are going to help us to discover how not to stumble coming down the mountain when it comes to remaining faithful to God. You notice he did this in his old age. This is not just a lesson uh, on how to uh, uh, age well, though that probably is an application there. I actually think this is a good chapter for us and a good lesson for us here after Resurrection Sunday, because if you're like me, you may want to give your very best, not just in your wardrobe on Easter Sunday, but in having a close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone once said, in your lifetime, there will be mountain peaks and there will be great valleys. Thus is life. The difference is what you do in those peaks and valleys. So whether you're a new believer, whether you have become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, Recently or for a long time today, whether you have experienced a spiritual high coming down for the mountain, regardless, this chapter in Solomon's life will help us to determine that we want to keep moving forward and growing more faithful in Christ and not less. Now, I'm not a mountain climber, but I would guess that it probably don't stand still for very long. Either you are moving up or you are coming down. Let's determine to keep pressing forward toward the goal of knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. But if you've ever had spiritually a mountaintop experience or perhaps felt maybe a particular time in your life, maybe even recently really close to the Lord, then you might also know that sometimes coming out of that experience or that closeness is a place to where you may have a misstep or where you may be the most vulnerable. Regardless, this is a good chapter and you want to pay attention for there, but But there, but for the grace of God, we are all capable. For as we will see, if it could happen to Solomon, who was the wisest man alive, it could happen to any one of us. So today, our prayer is, Lord, help us to remain faithful. You've got your notes there. We're gonna talk about making preparations not to stumble or to fall away, but to keep on keeping on in faithfulness to Jesus. It is a lesson also on how to finish well. Solomon had such a great start as the son of David, as the one who had been anointed king, became king of Israel. He became king of Israel when Israel was at its greatest height, both politically, militarily, financially, all of these things. And Solomon, because of of God, took it to an even greater height. God made him the wisest man alive because of his request, arguably the wisest man who ever lived, except Jesus, Because probably it was only Jesus when he said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 42, Jesus said, one greater than Solomon is here, speaking of himself. God gave Solomon not only wisdom he asked for, but also riches and wealth. He had the most wealth of any king of his time and of any king ever of Israel's history. Built the first temple in Jerusalem. He spared no expense. God also gave him peace in the land. Much was an attribute because of his father David and all the enemies in which he conquered, Uh, of course, because God was with David. Foreign kings and queens, as well as many other important people and other people around the world, would come to Solomon in order to be able to hear his wisdom, in order to gaze upon his riches. Well, what does that have to do with us? Well, if you're a child of God, I want you to consider the moment that you accept Jesus in your life, even though you may not realize it, you have started off well. You are better off than Solomon. You're a child of the King of Kings, which is better than me and a son of David. You may not be as wise as Solomon, but you've got something even better than that. You know the one who is greater than even Solomon. And he lives inside of us in the form of the Holy Spirit, sometimes called the Spirit of Jesus. He lives each one of us to guide us, to comfort, and to remind us of his word. What do you feel wealthy? Solomon himself actually wrote in Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 19. He, write, he writes, My fruit is better than gold, even the finest gold. It my yield better than chosen silver. In the New Testament, you might remember Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, And my God will supply all of your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. And for this, we recognize that all believers start off well. We're given... All spiritual wisdom, wisdom, godly wisdom is but a heartfelt prayer away. We're part of a royal priesthood. And things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control are fruits right for the picking. These are all yours as a child of God and because you're part of God's family through Jesus, you will always have these at your fingertips. Because Solomon was David's son, the kingdom was not going to be taken away, at least not all of it. Now today, if you're here today, or maybe there's somebody listening that's not a follower of Jesus, may today, and even these descriptions of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, and all that we have in Christ, may these cause you to have incentive to explore what it means to follow Him, because it's our prayer today that you will be ready, even today, to give your heart and life to Jesus. If you don't know that you have Christ in your heart... If you're unsure, if you have a home in heaven, we want you to be sure today. And here today, we have a discipleship lesson, should you choose to follow him. The tragedy for the nation of Israel was that because of Solomon's unfaithfulness, most of the kingdom would follow in his footsteps, and much of the kingdom would be taken out of his son's hand. So from this point forward, here in 1 Kings chapter 11, from this point forward, for the nations of Israel and Judah, they would be in steady decline until finally the nation of Judah would be defeated by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. Uh, The temple would be destroyed. Jerusalem would be conquered. Most of the survivors would be taken into exile to become slaves in a distant land 500 years later. Now there would be some good kings and there would be some godly prophets, but this was the beginning of the decline. Now the tragedy for many genuine followers of Jesus, that in spite of the great beginning and who we are in Christ, The possessions that we have uh, as followers of the Lord Jesus, many fail to follow closely or they stop growing in Christ. Many more will decide that they're going to live for this world instead of living for Jesus, and the result is unfaithfulness. Would you like to learn how not to stumble? Would you like to be in a place to where you can know that you can have a closer walk with Jesus? Or today, maybe if you find yourself further away than you know that you should be, maybe a way which you might be able to, come back and that you might be faithful to him once again. Watch Solomon. We're going to learn from him but we're going to have to flip the script a little bit because what we saw in Solomon we saw his decline but instead what we want to be able to learn from where he had missteps, we want to be able to take the right steps and one of those is this. Pay attention to the clear warning signs. Pay attention to the clear warning signs. This was something that Solomon did not do but if you're paying attention to the Bible you see them clearly. For instance, when Solomon first came into power, you might remember this from 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 1. To where Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, he took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David. Solomon took as his first wife this daughter of the Pharaoh of Egypt. No doubt he was making an alliance with Egypt. But what do you know about Israelites and the foreign marriages? It's repeated again in this chapter 11 that we read a moment ago, and even the reason why. In fact, we read it in verses 1 and 2. Let's read those verses again. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, Hittite women, from the nations... "'concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, "'You shall not enter into marriage with them, "'neither shall they with you, "'for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods.' "'Solomon clung to these in love.'" Notice the nations listed here, the very nations that are listed here in which Solomon had wives for these nations. These were the nations in which Israel had already defeated. But they didn't completely destroy as they were supposed to, and now the warning that God has given is coming to fruition.'" But well, we come and it says that, uh, in spite of what God had said, it says that Solomon clung to these in love. In fact, some translations said instead, uh, instead he loved on them anyway. Before my daughter was married, uh, she had a checklist in which she would use before she would ever date a guy that she'd go over either on the first date or sometimes before. And I didn't know about the checklist. Actually, until her fiance, but before they were married, told me that even before they went out, she went over the checklist with him before she was dating. So here's the checklist was you have to be a Christian. You can't drink or smoke. Uh, you can't be a Calvinist. That was on her checklist. You couldn't be a preacher or going into ministry. Now I first thought that that's because she didn't want to marry anybody like her dad but she said it's because she was going into ministry and she did not see how that would work and, and then one of the, may have been some others but the last one was always you couldn't drink from a straw and when asked about that she said well I never saw my daddy drink from a straw so I don't think you should either now these last two must have been negotiable because my son-in-law is now a Baptist preacher in Mobile Solomon it seems had a list He never married an Israelite. He never married a worshiper of Yahweh, the God of Israel. And his wives had to be of royal blood. It became more important to him that he would marry princesses than to follow God's clear warning. And that these foreign wives will turn his heart away from God. Not only do we find this warning in Deuteronomy and other places, but we're told in this chapter that God spoke to him twice about not marrying foreign women long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was driving a bus after a youth trip. And we were coming down through Tennessee and coming through North Alabama. It was a 45-passenger bus, one of these big bluebird buses filled with teenagers. And as we're coming down, we're going to make our way. And I tell them, I've already told them, we're going to stop and we're going to eat at the Bug Tussle Steakhouse. Bug Tussle Steakhouse was known for these huge, large steaks. If you ate the 64 ounce and all the fixings in one hour, you got it for free, and they put your picture on the wall. Said, so you'll stop at this steakhouse gonna be ready for that. Now Bug Tussle Steakhouse literally is in the middle of nowhere. And as I'm driving down the interstate, I pull off the exit. So sure am I that I'm on the right road going to the Bug Tussle steakhouse that I failed to pay any attention to the blinking yellow lights. I didn't pay any attention to the caution warning sign or even the yellow stripes that began to go across the road and suddenly the front of those tires were wet with lake water. I was on the wrong road. Now, before you panic, that was 40 years ago and I'll probably not be driving any of your children on a 45 passenger bus anytime soon. You know, you can think you're on the right road, but if you're ignoring God's clear warning sign found in His Word, you'll find yourself at a dead end. And in the Old Testament, God's people were to marry God's people. Christians in the New Testament are married Christians. God's word is clear. Jesus told us clearly to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He also said you cannot serve God and money. He said you can't serve two masters because you'll end up loving one and hating the other. Paul told us on more than one occasion, flee youthful lust. Run from sexual temptations. We need to pay attention to these clear warning signs and many more. The Bible gives us clear warning of the best ways to follow God and to finish well. These are not merely restrictive just so they might restrict us from some kind of living, but every warning in the Bible is for our good so that we might live the very best life and please Him. Another way that you will help us that we learn from this scripture on how not to stumble is to learn to watch out for the compromise. Closer to the other one, but learn to watch out for the compromise. Now, some compromises are good, She wants to eat chicken salad chick. You want to eat barbecue and you end up at niffers. It can happen. Anybody? (laughs) Listen, if, if you'll cook, I'll clean. If I grill, you clean. Or maybe if you're going to buy a car or house from somebody, you might tell them, say, well, if you'll fix this or if you'll come down on that price. That's okay. That's some compromise. But watch out when you try to compromise with God because there is no compromise with God. It's trivia night at a local restaurant. I've gone to some of these trivia nights before, hardly ever won. It's usually a group effort, thank goodness. On this particular night, Kelly and I are going. We're meeting some church members there as well. And I remember sitting down for some reason that particular night, maybe because so many church members were there. I thought, I hope there's no Bible questions. Seriously, I was afraid, oh, if I miss one, I'll be really embarrassed. Come to find out the fix was in. Already they had determined, because I was there, they had a whole category just on the Bible and... Thank goodness that we uh, got everyone right except one. And I say we because it was a group effort. But the one we missed, I should have gotten. And you'll know what this is. And, but the question was asked, or the trivia, thou shalt not steal is what number commandment? Everybody looked at me. I guessed it was the seventh commandment. It's not, it's the Eighth commandment, I shouldn't ask maybe, but just the eighth commandment as well. I was telling my daughter about this and, and, uh, and I was telling her, and she was talking about how she teaches children at her church and she uses sign language in order to do that. And she said, uh, she held up her hand. She said, dad, eighth commandment, hold up four fingers and don't show your thumbs. She said, because in the olden days, they might cut off, cut off your thumbs if you stole something. I said, you're telling that to children? That's terrible, I didn't ask her how they did the seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I'll now forever know the eighth commandment. But I've always known the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Solomon knew it. It's the premier commandment of all the 10. It's closely akin to what Jesus said was the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In 1 Kings chapter three, and verse three, I want you to notice it's one of the first chapters that talks about Solomon. 1 Kings 3, 3. it said Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the attributes of David, his father. Well, it's quite a contrast. Now that we're reading 1 Kings 11, in the last chapter about Solomon, we were Solomon loved his wife instead of loving wives instead of loving God. Now, don't misunderstand this. You can love God and you can love your wife. I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to have 700 of them. But you must love God more. We read it a moment ago, but let's read it again. First Kings chapter 11, verses 4 and 5. It says, For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David, his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Yes, Solomon had a problem, but it didn't happen overnight. Solomon actually began, first time it talks about him worshiping, that he was worshiping on one of the high places. That was a compromise. This is the very place that the Israelites were told to destroy when they came into the Promised Land. And they had partially done that by the time of David. They had destroyed all the gods in the Promised Land, but they left the high places. In fact, they were using them there, the high places, supposedly to worship Yahweh, the God of Israel. So they compromised with what God had required. But Solomon had gone from worshiping God at the wrong place to worshiping foreign gods. Astareth, the goddess mentioned in verse 5, that's the goddess of fertility and sex where abominable acts were performed. Moloch, or Milcom and later Moloch, these were the gods to whom children were sacrificed. Verse 6 actually tells us that Solomon built a high place. He built another high place. And it says, on the mountain east of Jerusalem. I only know one mountain east of Jerusalem. And that's the Mount of Olives. The very place where Jesus prayed in the garden before he was, on the night before he was arrested. What began is what surely thought was a small compromise. One foreign wife, worshiping God in a place he told me not to, turned into unthinkable sin. You see, if we compromise a little bit, it becomes easier and easier to move further and further away from God. And before we know it, we find ourselves unable to be used by God in in opposition to the very purpose for which he's created us. You remember Peter on the night in which Jesus was arrested. The Bible says Peter followed from a distance. Well, that might, that's a, there's a compromise right there trying to follow Jesus from a distance. And then he was asked by a servant girl, you're one of those Galileans, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And in John 18, I'm sure that Peter thought he was just going to do a little bit of a compromise. It says he said these three words, I am not. Easy enough. But before the night was out, he had denied Jesus three times, cursed and swore, I don't know the man. And the rooster crows and Jesus turns and looks at Peter. The psalmist said in Psalm 1-1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Sometimes we think we're just going to walk by. We're just going to take a peek at sin. Before long, we find that we're standing. Standing, staring at the very thing that we shouldn't be. And then before long, we're sitting in the midst of sin, wondering how we ever got here. Chances are, followers of Jesus, it began with a compromise. And following Jesus, no compromise is acceptable. Now, we'll, we'll talk more about grace and forgiveness in just a moment. But you remember with the first women, we talked about it last week, who came and saw the empty tomb. They saw an angel. Remember what the angel said? He's not here. He's risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And then they said, go tell the disciples, especially Peter. Because Peter needed to know and understand because of the resurrection there is the forgiveness and the grace that is offered to all those who have compromised, all those who have fallen away. Now hear hear me, everybody needs to hear this and know this because we're still sinners. And God forgives us and he picks us up and he puts us back on the right pathway. It's repeated several times in this passage, Solomon did not wholly follow the Lord like David did. Now if you know the life of David, you know David was a sinner. Adultery and murder among his chief sins. Two things David did different than Solomon. One of those is David repented of sin. And David never worshiped an idol or another god. Listen, if all you do today is that you confess your sins to the Lord Jesus and worship Jesus alone, today's a good day. But also, we want to find that which would help us not to stumble or fall away. How about this? Who or what you worship will be key who or what you worship will be Solomon worshiped foreign gods, which really makes no practical sense. Often the people would end up worshiping the gods of the people who conquered them or the people who were over them. Already Israel had conquered all of these people. He had defeated them. But the writer of 1 Kings tries to give us a spiritual explanation for the falling away of Solomon. So far we're told what he did wrong and now we're given the spiritual reasoning or the lack thereof in verses 8 and 9. 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 8 and 9, if you want to follow along. He said, And so he did for all of his foreign wives. It says he did this, worship foreign gods for his foreign wives and made offerings and sacrifices to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, you think? Because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him. Twice, we know his love for women, many women, was his downfall, but truly his problem was his, his heart had turned away from the Lord. Do you think the enemy, Satan, knows your weaknesses, the place to where you're most vulnerable? Do you think perhaps after this past Resurrection Sunday, where you may have had a spiritual mountaintop experience maybe be where you're inclined to take a misstep or a fall? Here is what will be key, and it was to Solomon's downfall, but he took his eyes off the Lord but who you, will, who you worship will be key. Notice these three elements of worship, which is the opposite of what we see here in the passage. Worship is a heart focused on Jesus. Your only focus is to be on the Lord Jesus. He's the only focus of our worship today. He's the only reason that we've come together today. Everything that we do here, it's not about anybody on the stage, not about anything else that happens, but it's all about Jesus. Your worship every day, personally, everything that you do, needs to be also about Jesus. Worship also will lead to an intentional decision for Jesus. An intentional decision. Unlike Solomon, who made intentional decisions to disobey God, you must decide now that your decisions will be to do what pleases Jesus or you will more likely fall to your old nature and your old way of doing things of pleasing self. Decide today that you want to decide for Jesus. But also moving forward, true worship is pursuing more of Jesus. You see, no matter how good your experience with Jesus has been so far, no matter how close you are today, there's always going to be more to experience of Him. You've already discovered. If you've been a follower of Jesus, if you seek to spend time with Him, if you followed Him, you've already discovered the more you know, (laughs) the more you need to know. The more you worship, the more you need to worship. Also, what will keep you on the right path? It's to find the best motivation for willful obedience. Willful obedience. Now, I've used the word stumble, drift away, fall, but let's call it what it is what Solomon did. It's full blown sin. What he did is willful disobedience. And since we're flipping the script a little bit, the Bible teaches us the best motivation for willful obedience for deciding we will seek to be faithful to Jesus. Now, some people decide they're gonna, they wanna try to be good or they wanna be obedient because they're worried about punishment. In other words, they're gonna be good because they, they're afraid something might happen. Maybe in this life, if they're, bad, if they're bad, something bad's gonna happen to them or even in the afterlife. Or some people wanna be good because they're hoping to get some reward. If they'll be good, something good will happen or, Maybe even in the afterlife. Well, Solomon, we understand because of his actions, he was punished. All Israel suffered the consequences. We read in verse 11 a minute ago, Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Since this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant and my statues that I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant. The kingdom will be taken from him, but not in his lifetime because of God's love and promise to David but it would be from his son and then not all of the kingdom. Ten tribes of the kingdom would go to northern Israel. One tribe would be with Judah and David's sons would be over Judah. But there's a better reason to be faithful to God. Not because something bad might happen like it did to Solomon. Not so that there will be reward, even though the Bible does talk somewhat about rewards in heaven. But the best reason we have to be obedient and faithful to God is because all that He has done for us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We look back at the victory that was already won on Calvary when He died for us on the cross and that death was defeated in the resurrection as well. He proved His love for you and me. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 says, We love because He first loved us. Solomon himself wrote in Proverbs chapter three and verse three, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now I've got to tell you, I'm at a quandary. How could Solomon write such great wisdom literature of the Bible and not heed his own words? He's the ultimate example of do what I say, but not what I do. If nothing else, we know that the Bible is true I mean, if you were writing the Bible, if it was some kind of fairy tale, would you not have Solomon living happily ever after somehow? But we know that it's all true in everything that is written. Can I tell you that your life does not need even to resemble Solomon? Not your journey, not your story. Upstairs above our children's building, the top floor, there's a storage room. Now, it really wasn't meant to be a storage room. It's an unfinished part of our building. We have a vision for it to be classrooms and a gathering space for Bible study and worship that will take place up there one day. But for the past 15 years, it's been a storage room. and we It's a large area, but we've been putting lots of junk up there. And about once a year, somebody will get the notion, sometimes usually some of our staff, and they'll say, we're going to... We're going to clean out that storage room and we'll go up there, we'll get an extra dumpster, we'll throw a lot of it away, we'll give some of it to the thrift store, we'll rearrange and make it look nicer. It's never been empty, but it has been less full until about three months later. And then it gets filled up again and often it's full, full, fuller than it has ever been before. You know, that's kind of like your heart and mine. It's going to be full of something. It was made to exalt God and to be full of the love for Jesus. You can try to rid your heart of bad stuff and things that are unhealthy, but unless you're intentionally filling it with Christ and His love and His mercy, it will fill back up with something else. I believe Solomon had a great heart, a capacity to love God and to make His love known, but instead he filled it with love for this world and an unhealthy love for idol-worshipping women who turned his heart away from God. Yesterday, it's It's a good day to clean out your heart. It's a good day to confess sin. But then you've got to fill it with an all-out pursuit of Jesus. I want you to see God's grace in this passage before we leave it. Look at verse 13. It's the last passage we read a moment ago. In verse 13, it says this. He says, however, God is speaking to Solomon, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son." For the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. What's the promise, covenant with David? <laughs> he said, he'll always have somebody from his kingdom and of the children of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jerusalem is mentioned here, the very place that was appointed in which Jesus would be arrested and crucified and he would rise again. Only because of the grace of God. Solomon certainly did not deserve it. Israel did not deserve it. But it's because of the grace of God. Even the fact that God's talking to Solomon is evidence of his grace. My goodness, he didn't have to explain anything to Solomon. He could have just done it. But I think he wanted Solomon to repent as well. Did Solomon ever repent? I've read the chapters. I don't find any place that he repented. Can I I tell you that there are some Bible students who think that he finally did repent the very last two verses in Ecclesiastes where he said something, he said, nothing is left but to fear God and to be obedient to him. But that was some kind of perhaps. But I'll tell you that it's unclear whether Solomon ever repented or not. We don't find much evidence of it. But it should be clear what Jesus has done in your life and in my life. It should be much evidence because of what Jesus has done and because we've experienced the grace of God. And if you want to know how not to fall, if you will wait for God and pay attention, you'll experience even more grace. If you'll wait for God and pay attention, you'll experience even more grace. Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you've already experienced much grace. Because the moment that you accepted Jesus, you knew that you had Holy Spirit living inside of you. You knew that you had a purpose purpose is to exalt the name of Jesus and to live for Him. You knew that you have a home in heaven not because of anything that we deserved, but only because of what Jesus Christ has done and because of His goodness but if you will follow closely if you will not compromise, if you'll seek to follow Him wholeheartedly then you'll experience even more grace. You'll be able to pay attention even more so to where God is at work because His grace is always at work, always evident Ah, but you want to experience, you want to be able to see it. And if you don't know Jesus Christ today, then I encourage you to experience His grace for the very first time. Recognize that we do not deserve God's love. We don't deserve to be able to go to heaven. We don't deserve even to have a plan and a purpose for our life. But Jesus wants to give you every, all of this. He's proved it to us over and over again. If you don't know Jesus today, we encourage you. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Ask Christ to come in to be your Savior and Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we continue to come today celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is the reason that we have gathered together. We pray that all that we do points to our Lord Jesus. We pray that our very lives will exalt His name and other people will be able to know that Jesus is the most important to us. And Father, we pray today that you'll be at work and everyone that is here today that... And those who might be listening today to know that uh, uh, because of God's grace that we're able to draw close to you. For those who have been far away, we pray there'd be time to come back and to be close. For those, Father, that are continuing to seek to walk towards you, Father, may it be another time if we commit ourselves ready to follow you wholeheartedly. And Father, we pray for those who may not know you as Lord and Savior. We pray that today might be the day of salvation. Knowing now, even now, Father, the Holy Spirit is at work knocking on heart's doors. We pray, Father, they'll be ready to open that door. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to join you in your good work.